Wait a minute. What are you saying about me? I'm not a nice guy that people want to be kind to. <laughs> I I think you're really nice. Your middle Thank name you, is JR. Instigator. We're gonna call. We're gonna start calling you the Gator, Matt the <laughs> Gator, Milky Tacos. Well, do what do, you gotta do. <laughs> does one of us get a different nickname every episode? It seems like. I've never had a nickname on Story Men. You're Big Brain. <laughs> That's not from Story Men, but I'll take it. <laughs> I thought you were a big beard. Also that. What's my nickname to you guys? Little Beard. <laughs> <laughs> big Beard, Little Beard, and the Gator. Uh, that would actually be a fun, like, Nick at Night show. <laughs> <laughs> There's great TV pleasure at your command. Hello out there from TV land. Nick at Night brings it home to you. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Storyman Podcast episode... One Zed Trey. I am Clay Morgan. I'm J.R. Foresteros. And I'm Matt Michelotis. We are the Story Man, and we also write together over at NorvalRogers.com. Today, I feel like I feel like I should really just change. I also have other podcasts at NorvalRogers.com. Yes, well, we might actually be getting to one of those today. I just say I haven't written anything. That's true. You po- well, ages. well, to be fair, I've actually written a number of blog posts and they're coming. I was trying to get ahead of a few weeks. So, so you I got f- ahead by just not publishing them. <laughs> I, did. <laughs> I wrote, I wrote a lot of words on the plane flight and, um, I wanted to tell a story really well over multiple weeks. So I figured I better, I better begin with the end in mind as Mr. Stephen Covey would suggest today. <laughs> we are asking the question, what makes a movie christian and Mm. we're going to also think through what is a good christian movie and what is a bad christian movie because god Uh, knows there are a lot of them oh boy um christian movies are not dead we're gonna find (laughs) out (laughs) we're gonna find out what kind of fan reaction we get today um in the meantime did you guys watch episode 202 last week of z nation i did i also did it i'm finally caught up to both of you (laughs) <laughs> all time Jerry, why now. you almost said that with a little bit of bitterness in yeah i'm not bitter at all i'm really excited for all of the opportunities you guys have had to see advanced screenings of multiple episodes of a show that we all love together i don't think matt had an advanced screening on 202 no on 201 though <laughs> oh yeah but i do recall see. you'll recall that when i watched episode 201 less than 24 hours after it had premiered i was by far the final story man to see it well, the good news is you've already seen episode 203, kind of. Kind of. Kind of. But back to 202, it was amazing. Yeah, it was. Sure was. It was basically a an hour-long foot chase through Cheyenne, Wyoming. Yeah, did you notice, though, that one of the car, the car that Murphy stole had Utah plates? That was weird. I did not know that. I wondered what was happening. Is Cheyenne, Wyoming not in Utah? No. It's in Wyoming. Uh, Wyoming, mm. one of those states that no one ever thinks about because mm. nothing ever happens there. Sorry, Wyoming, big fans, love to have you on the show. Yeah, Yellowstone, what <laughs> up? <laughs> All seven people who live in Wyoming could probably be on the show at once. It was funny though. We were reading comments on, well, I forget what it was online, <laughs> and like all these people were like, "Great episode, great episode." And this one guy's like, "That was not representative of Cheyenne at all." Like, there's an actual sign that says, "Welcome to Cheyenne." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
You know what's weird? I go to Fort Collins, Colorado, every other summer, which is where episode 201 and the season cliffhanger from last season uh, took place. Uh, and then, yeah, I've driven through Cheyenne like a bazillion times because that's the way home for me. Do you pass Murphy's Strip Club? I have never seen that place. I think I would have remembered it since it had a Z in the name. <laughs> well, we're going to spend some time next week talking a little bit more about Z Nation because this Friday night, the actually the evening that this episode goes live, is going to be episode 203, which is super exciting for the story, men, because... As we got to visit for our 100th episode, we got to do Loop Group and lay down some audio for the episode, which was directed and maybe written by our friend Dan Merchant. Yeah, and so if you listen to the 100th episode, you heard what Loop Group is all about, and we'll be putting out an episode. Actually, our extra should be out when this episode is out. You'll get to hear Dan talk at length about 203 and hear us reflect about Loop Group and stuff. So uh, check in your podcast player, because there's probably a little (laughs) bonus episode for you to watch and check out with us as well. You guys, this is what it sounds like when I eat someone's brains. You're so good at that. It's like there's lots of slurping because brains are they're not they're not as they're they're not as solid as you would think they are. I can't wait until we can actually have people like sync up. They can watch the episode and we can after it's off on the air, we can point out who's who's doing what in which scenes. I mean, listeners, if you watch the episode and you think, wow, that particular person's death rattle sounded <laughs> the most real. That was definitely mine. <laughs> Maybe. I will say, yeah. I mean, I did get direction that my my first death scene was a little little too uh, philosophical. A little lively, yep. <laughs> a little philosophical and existentially angsty. Yeah, too much existential angst, not enough suffering. Well, we'll come back to uh, some some TV that we've been checking out lately at the end of the show. JR has got, got a pick for us anyway. In the meantime, uh, guys, as you know, the big movie that came out right around the time, I think, straight out of Compton released, and uh, what was that, about three weeks ago now, was War Room. The movie from, was it also from the Kendrick Brothers? Who have directed and created other films such as Courageous, God's Not Dead. I don't think God's Not Dead was theirs. Oh, it wasn't? No. I'm nearly sure. It was not. Okay. Um, So Courageous, Facing the Giants, uh, and the like. There has been a lot of conversation. Uh, First of all, those those movies are making tons of money. Yeah, they have weirdly low budgets. It's almost like they don't care. Attracting many, many fans. And... um, Quite frankly, they have a formula that seems to be working really well in bringing out churchgoers. So, JR has seen War Room. Matt, did you also see it? I did. Uh, so, so let's talk generally about War Room, uh, about why maybe people like it and or criticize it. And then we want to get to this question today of what are the best Christian movies you've ever seen? And what does that question even mean? Yeah, War Room is abominable. Okay. (laughs) Well, we might as well start there. I have not seen it. I'm the only story man who has not. I'm jealous of you. (laughs) (laughs) Now, there's a lot of people who are listening right now who are probably like, why does JR hate good Christian wholesome entertainment? Yeah, so I would say there was one word in there. Actually, I'm not sure any of those adjectives are fair to describe War Room. It wasn't good. I'm not sure it was Christian. 
and I wouldn't consider it wholesome. Okay, let's start with a Christian. Okay. Why is it not a Christian movie? Because that is what is most known as being. Yeah, it said things about God that are not only untrue, but are hurtful and toxic. Well, JR, if that's true, why is the Christian community, uh, these this series of movies have been, I think it's safe to say, embraced, pushed from the pulpit, uh, and have become financial, like significant financial successes because of the Christian community. So, what? How do you how do you bring that together? Yeah, um, I think it's because. So, for instance, uh, when I put on Facebook, I, I did a review of War Room, very brief on Facebook, where I said I feel about the theology of War Room the same way I feel about the theology of Thor Two. There were some interesting <laughs> ideas about God in there, but they were so intertwined with really wrong stuff that I can't recommend anyone see it. Um, now, I loved Thor 2 immensely as a film. Uh, I despised War Room immensely as a film. But theologically speaking, they were about on par. And I don't know if you guys remember, but when Thor 2 came out, I wrote a couple of pretty long think pieces on Norval about the theology that I found in Thor 2 that I found really provocative and, and fun. So I really meant that was an honest thing. That wasn't just a dig. Like, I think that what Thor 2 says about gods is about as helpful as what War Room says about God. So, so what is the underlying message of War Room that you found problematic? Hang on, real quick. So, so I posted that on Facebook, and then of course that generated some some commentary, and a oh. couple of people from my previous church who loved the film, who were in this camp of people that you talked about, who were advocating for the film and all of that, uh, said, you know, we we like one person said, well, I thought the message we need to be praying for our nation was great, and we should encourage people to do that, and my response was. Well, sure, I'm not against praying for our country uh, at all, but that was literally like a 30-second tag at the end of the movie. You can't say that that was like the predominant message of the film in any way. Um, similarly, I, get, I, I had a lot of Christian people who basically said, the movie said we should pray, and that's a good message. And I agree. Like, if that was the only thing the film said, that'd be fine. But there were lots of other much more subtle, much more toxic messages mixed in with that more overt message that I think because there was a movie on a big screen that said prayer is good, people just sort of ignored all of the rest of it. Or again, maybe didn't have the life experiences necessary uh, to be keyed in on that. So for instance, this past Sunday at church, I had a couple come up uh, who said they saw it and they loved it. And I, they asked if I had seen it. So I said I had, they asked what I thought of it. And I said, well, you know, my mom uh, was a single mom because my dad cheated on her. And I just sat there during war room thinking, I'm so glad that my mom didn't see this in the years immediately following her divorce, because the message she would have taken away was that it was her fault. Her husband cheated because she didn't pray hard enough. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that's, that's certainly a message that the film sends that as long as you just pray, everything's going to be okay. And that if you're having marital problems, you don't talk about it. You just pray harder. And I'm not against praying for your marriage, but I don't think that it's an either or scenario by any, by any means. Um, and I think this is the, this is the problem with a film like this that presents some very real issues that real people struggle with, like marriage trouble. 
you know, a couple who is 15 years into a marriage, they have a kid or two or three or five or whatever. And it's just not fun. Like it used to be. And the husband travels for work a lot. Like that's a real scenario that a lot of people find themselves in. And the film's presentation of how to fix that marriage was so simplistic. And sure, it does happen that way in a small number of cases, but that's not reality for the vast majority of people. And so you end up with a picture of God where God is a genie who grants wishes as long as you try hard enough. And that's that couldn't be further from the God that we find in the scriptures, the God that is revealed in the incarnation of Jesus. So yeah, I don't want anyone in my church thinking about God that way. So I, there's no way I could, as a pastor, uh, as a pastor, recommend this film theologically. And we haven't even gotten into what a cinematic dumpster fire it is. <laughs> <laughs> Matt? Yeah, I. you know what I wonder? I wonder if part of the problem, to be honest, is uh, is being unaware of what's being communicated by story versus what's being preached. Like I think that's the part, a good observation. Yeah, I think the part that's being preached, right, is yeah, you should pray more, and if you pray, God will bring good things, and it is a way to influence your family and community. And I don't think any of us disagree with those things. But what they, yeah, I mean, I, I really like the the message that Christians fight by praying. Yeah, like I thought that was a great message. Yeah, for sure. And we've seen this in previous movies from the same gang, like Courageous, which was a movie about. Uh, being strong, taking care of your family was super, super racist uh, in the way it portrayed people of color and story decisions about people of color, not necessarily what was said, although sometimes what was said. Um, and, and this War Room, okay, War Room has a mostly African-American cast and it's it's set in an African-American community. Um, but I think what they don't recognize is that, okay, the speech about here's what you should do uh, I think they see that as the message. What they don't understand is that it's also a message that the one kind of father figure in the movie is a stereotypical African-American male. Uh, stereotypical in the sense that he's, you know, a lot of trouble. He abandons his family, has a bunch of kids. He's a drug like, dealer. Drug dealer, exactly. And, and even though, spoiler, much of that is resolved through the power of prayer, uh, the fact is that the story choices there are sending a message different than I th- I think than what is intended, which is which is what makes me think that maybe they just don't understand things like um, poetic justice and you know the that story is communicating something too. Yeah, and I mean, I I I was I was deeply bothered by the the older woman, like the prayer warrior figure. Because I felt like she was, I mean, literally, like, if you have one black grandma in every movie, like, that's going to be that woman, right? Like, that exact character. Oh, and there's um, there's actually a name for that in, in race studies. It's it's the mystical black person. Uh, yeah. Like yeah, it's the, the person who comes along. And actually, that was one of the things that people in the shack, you know, disliked, that God was the mystical black woman. Um, some people love that. I'm not saying that's exactly the same thing. But there's this, yeah, trope, this character trope that keeps coming in of like, oh, it'd be the same thing, the the Native American guy who just understands nature so deeply. And, of course, he's an excellent right. tracker, you know, like those kinds of things. Yeah, so, you know, what, for me, like I was trying to explain to someone uh, why I had such a problem with the story of the film. And I said, you know, one, it it, it had like 10 act breaks, I think. 
about about three fourths of the way through the film, I thought the film should be ending, but then it was clear it still had many many minutes to go, and I had no idea where it was trying to go. You know, and and that's because it there was no main character. Like the main character of the movie was the act of praying. Right. And so you have this you have this strong female lead in Priscilla Schreier and as soon as her husband converts to Christianity and or reconverts or rededicates or whatever whenever whenever he's fixed, she completely drops out of the film and doesn't make one meaningful decision that moves the plot along for the rest of the film. And so all of a sudden you have this weird tonal shift because now the husband's praying and, and, and the film just focuses on whoever's praying. And again, if you're preaching, that's fine. But if you're trying to tell a coherent narrative that actually is, is good and meaningful, that that's just super problematic. Well, and this is another example of where not not recognizing that the story choices are communicating something. Women in this movie are are clearly an inferior species. Like the only thing they can do to change things at all ever is to pray. And if they're not praying, they're not important, basically. And when they're praying, they should probably do it in secret in their war room. Like they're not to be seen or heard. Yeah. You know, I found it interesting. We were talking... Uh, so I was. Ta- it may have been you, Clay, when I was talking earlier, and uh, someone commented on whether this was a film that gave church a good name. And I observed that actually there are only like two scenes in a church in this entire film. Hmm. Like this is not a church movie, and it doesn't actually. There, there are no organized religious persons who have any sort of influence in this film at all. Uh, which I also thought was interesting. Yeah. Well, and I, so I wonder if that brings us to this question of what makes a film Christian. Like, I've talked to people who love these films, people who I love. Uh, and, and they would say, like, yeah, you know what I love about this movie? I can take my kids to the theater and know they're not going to hear a curse word or see a violent act. You know, they're, it's going to, you know, there maybe there'll be some real life stuff in it. But mostly I know they're going to walk away with this good feeling about God intervening in the world and doing something positive. Um, so what, is that sufficient? Does that move us toward a Christian film? Like is mentioning Jesus in the film in a positive sense? Does that make it Christian? Like what, what are we talking about here? So JR and I have had this uh, conversation, which is kind of what we wanted to do this episode about. And I want to throw it to him in a second. Um, but I should say, you know, I did for, for some people who know me, I was, basically the MC of a Christian film festival for, I don't know, three or four years in Pittsburgh. And it's interesting at that time, um, there was a, there was a community around it and there were some friends who put it on that I helped out. And we put, we gave the community the opportunity to watch films for free. 95% of them would have been films that were Christian because yes, they were made by Christians basically four Christians, very few of them, I think, would serve as an outreach. But we did have a lot of people come to the theater, and I spent the large majority of my time interacting with people who, you know, two, three, four thousand people who would come. And um, and we'd get to have a lot of great conversations with people, and I, I've, I saw the same folks every year. And as I began to go through my bit of, well, critical thinking more. <laughs> um, 
you know, I started to ask a lot more questions about where I'd been theologically all my life. And it had to do with the churches that I went to and the messages that were reinforced. And a lot of these films, I think, are echo chamber films. And they make you um, see other folks on the screen wrestling with some things maybe that you've wrestled with. At the end of the day, you get to be pleased that somebody has told a story and and said Jesus and shown a church and kept it clean and all these things. And I remember on the few, like maybe once or twice, we showed a movie, we showed a war movie that was really intense, and we had a lot of backlash against that. We had this Andy Garcia movie for Greater Glory, which I think was rated R. Um, It was about the Mexican Civil War, and it was Andy Garcia, you know? So we would try to bring in... Actually, we didn't call it the Christian Film Festival. We called it a faith-based film festival. And we were trying to move away in recent years when I was still there... Um, from that idea of this is just a Christian film. We were trying to say that the movies that we're going to show, yes, will probably be mostly clean, but also there's going to be some kind of message of faith. Um, But as we've talked in the show many times, I don't think that's what we define a Christian film as being. Yeah, so I would would never never endorse a movie because it has a sermon in it. Uh, and in fact, when, when I was thinking about, I mean, I was just, I was, I left war room so like sad because I saw so so many people there. Uh, so many people told me what a great movie it was. And I was like, guys, this is objectively not a good movie. There's again, theology aside, it's just bad. Um, but you, you mix in the theology and this is just terrible. Uh, this isn't something anyone should be emulating. And so what I tried to think about was like, what are films? If someone says, well, well, okay, Mr. Whatever critic who doesn't like anything, like what's a good Christian movie? Like what's an actual film that you would say as a Christian people should see that has. And so, so of course on Storyman, on Norval, when we blog and stuff like that, we're always having conversations about where we find good messages in films, right? Um, that's what I did with Thor too. But that's not a Christian film, and it's not a Christian message. Um, I tried to think about, and I, we all kind of started brainstorming, what are some movies that feature persons who explicitly follow Jesus and who behave in ways that we consider to be good, praiseworthy, excellent Christian ways, right? Um, that was the question I wanted to ask. And, you know, there aren't a ton of them. It's okay. Like, I, I think that's that's fine to admit. Um, there are... There are more films, probably, with people who are Christian characters who are not people we want to emulate or people that we don't feel are fairly represented mm-hmm. than people in this other category. So I would just say, like, by way of an example, a film that is now on Netflix that you can watch, it actually just got onto Netflix, and almost no one saw it. There were certainly no pastors preaching from pulpits to go see it and renting out movie theaters to take their churches to it or anything like that, and yet it's probably... Well, we have several on this list that are going to be in this category, but it's definitely one of the best and most Christian films I've seen in ages, and that's a movie called Philomena, starring Dame Judi Dench. Uh, have you guys, either of you, seen this film? Is that the one where she uh, creates like crazy weapons for this British spy to go out and save the world? That yeah, was no. You're thinking of the James Bond franchise. The oh, oh, yeah. oh, that's right, James Bond. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not at, not at all the same though. Dame Judi Dench is in that one, and her name is M, not Philomena. Mm, Philomena. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. JR, you have told me to watch this movie from like the moment it came into existence. You are not alone in that, by the way, and I still haven't watched it for no other reason than I just haven't watched it, but I want to. So I'll give you a very brief synopsis. Uh, not really spoilery. It's basically what you can get watching the trailer. But Philomena is this older Irish woman who, when she was a child, got pregnant because she hadn't had any sex education and didn't know how people got pregnant. Her father shipped her off to a convent where she had the baby and then raised the baby, and then the and then the baby was taken from her. And so the film is set in in modern day. It's actually based on a true story, a book called the uh, the Lost Child of Philomena Lee. And a disgraced British journalist basically sets out with her to figure out where her child is today. And I will not say more than that. If you're not interested in seeing it, I I just promise you. It is one of the most beautiful, amazing films you could ever watch. Mm. Uh, and and Philomena is a Catholic Christian, and the decisions that she makes in the film are explicitly as a result of her faith, and it's amazing. Like, absolutely beautiful and gut-wrenching and awesome. So, so to be clear for people who are listening, when we're talking about a, what a Christian film is today, it's not that, that way that we can interpret allegorical meaning like the matrix or like the uh lord of the rings like a lot of people um would give the same kind of suggestions but you're saying when there is explicitly a christian character i I love i love sitting down after a movie and discussing the spiritual themes right if we want to watch the matrix and then talk about how neo is a christ figure if we want to try our hardest to see if we can find any spiritual parallels in the chronicles of narnia great um, all of that kind of stuff. That's super fun, but that's not what that's not what I when I think of a what is a Christian movie. I'm thinking about a film where we actually see a character enact the good news about Jesus okay. on screen, and Philomena 100% does that. So can I suggest what Mikey Fizzle from Real World Theology reminded me? Selma. Absolutely. So we got Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. It's a historic. That happens to be also based on true history, pretty famous history. Yeah. Um. We talked about it when the film came out, but they are clearly trying to enact the message of Jesus in a in Yeah, the and you know, in Selma, they they very explicitly show how his faith was a part of it. Like, I I thought about when he called up uh, that famous singer, right? And she just sang gospel songs to him. I need to and hear it, the Lord's like, voice. It rooted him yeah. and, rem- and, and it, it took him back into why they were doing what they were doing, which, of course, for King was very explicitly grounded in... The gospel. So, yeah, absolutely. So, Matt, what would be a film that would fall into this category for you that you would tell people um, this is actually a very Christian film that you would you would recommend? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure I'm completely on board with the definition we're using, but for the sake of the conversation, I can go with it. Well, push uh, back. Yeah, That's yeah. fine. Whatever. What, what, yeah, add to that. No, I I would just say I don't I don't know that a film needs to have necessarily a Christian figure that we would go at and say that's person that I would emulate or say is a good representation of Christianity. I think you could have a really depraved picture of Christianity in an individual and still have a movie that represents Christian values in the midst of that, um, or, or a Christian message. In fact, I think a lot of times they do. Um, so, but we'll stick with the definition just cause I, there's, I think there's plenty of book or movies on this, but one that I know Jr. for sure has seen, I don't know if you've seen this one, Clay, but that just wrecked me in the theater was uh, Calvary. Did you see that one, Clay? No, I 
I, I, Clay I doesn't sent, watch Christian movies. I sent you guys the trailer, and you were like, this looks amazing. And then it came out, and you both saw it, and I never did. Clay only watches Kendrick's brother's Christian films. I was in the, oh, man. Yeah, so I was in the middle of my own Texas. Calvary is really interesting. It starts right off the bat in the very beginning. There's a Catholic priest in a small uh, kind of village that is his parish. Uh, and he's taking someone's um, confession, and we never see who it is, although we kind of suspect he might know. Uh, and they start by saying they were abused as a child by a priest and they know it wasn't him. He's a good priest. They make a big deal out of that. Uh, so, but they give him a timeline and say, I'm going to kill you, uh, as an example, just to make a point, I'm going to kill a good priest to show that a bad priest was in my life. And then really the movie is about this priest making a decision of whether he should run to try and escape or stay with his people and care for them. And it's beautiful, and yeah, I, we went on a date night, and I was like useless the rest of the date night. I was just like oh. staring off into the distance, thinking about the movie. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed that one a lot. That film, I mean, so basically, right, what they've done is as much as possible, they've inserted a human person into Jesus's journey to the cross, mm. right? I mean, this guy now knows that if he continues down the path he is on, it's going to cost him his life, right? And that's... Right. So so it's 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 a really profound meditation on the incarnation and, and what that actually means for those of us who are not the Son of God incarnate sent to die for the sin of humanity, <laughs> which is most of us, I think, right? Most listeners would put themselves uh, yeah, in that probably. boat. Yeah, yeah. so... Yeah. Uh, another one that I think a lot of people haven't seen is a French film called Of Gods and Men. Yeah, tell me about this, because I have not. Have you seen this one, Matt? Yeah, I did. I enjoyed it. Yeah, so it's a group of monks who live in this small village that gets taken over by Islamic militants. And basically, they have to decide whether they're going to leave, escape with their lives, or stay. And they are basically the backbone of this community. Like, they supply the medicine and help with food and all this kind of stuff. So so if they leave, uh, they'll... Uh, they'll really hurt the community. And there are several amazing scenes of all of these monks sitting together and talking and about what they're going to do. And all of them are arguing from like sound theological perspectives, right? So it's not like you just have the one a-hole monk who doesn't actually probably should have never been a monk in the first place. And he wants to leave and everyone else wants to stay. Like people on all sides are having really good, thoughtful, scripturally based powerful conversations about what they should do and justifying that. I mean, you, you, you believe everyone and you kind of side with everyone and you see how these decisions play out in the movie. And again, it's, I, I believe it's actually also based on a true story. If I remember it is correctly. actually, yeah, that's uh, correct. Yeah. So, uh, again, just, just a really fantastic film and mm. you see, you see people trying to live out the good news in situations where there's not a clear cut answer, you know, um, really, really cool. Uh, it's interesting you bring up uh, – that's another adaptation. We've been talking about adaptations or true historical um, stories, you know, based on historical stories. So I, th I threw the question out um, on Facebook just asking what came to mind. What is a Christian movie that wasn't a, quote, Christian movie? Uh, our friend Blake Atwood, the author of Gospel According to Breaking Bad, he said, It's strange how all of my choices are book adaptations, but along those lines, uh, a couple of people – have said, my friend Ben Wolf and uh, Hannah Goodwin from, from CBN 
have said Les Mis, right? So that's one of the most famous novels of the 19th century. Now it's this monster Broadway sensation. And people talk about how the bishop that is at the beginning of the story really kicks off the entire um, tale through this incredible act of mercy that Jean Valjean receives and that uh, not only does he protect this escaped fugitive from being taken back into custody, but he even gives him the means through which he Yeah, like he gives him. He, his, you know, yeah. he takes this person who stole from it's him just abundant, and gives and gives yeah, and gives and gives. He lavishes yeah. it upon him. It's, and it's that's a, a real beautiful character that he's really not in it more than five minutes, I would say. No, but that again, that act of Christian excess and hospitality mm-hmm. shapes... Mm-hmm. Jean Valjean for the rest of the story. Yeah. I mean, it, it in in some real way, uh, the the good news about Jesus profoundly alters his not just his life trajectory but his character. Right, mm-hmm. like that never leaves him, and in many ways shapes the the decisions he makes for the rest of the film. Story, book, musical. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one um, of the interesting things here too is that uh, you were talking about the echo chamber effect, Clay, like. Les Mis is popular so vastly beyond the mm-hmm. Christian market that mm-hmm. because of the power of the story, because it's about humanity, and and it's kind of the opposite of what we were saying earlier. The, this was a guy who understood how to write story in a way that the story of the gospel is presented, even though it's not like, I mean, it's laid out pretty clearly. Uh, and even the secular adaptations have kept that. But... Uh, but what you see is people are enthralled by the story, amazed by it, and they sit and listen to it because there's not really in the movie or the play, at least that's less true in the books. There's not really a moment where someone stands up and says, okay, here, here's the three things you have to do to follow Jesus. This is what we're really talking about. You know, it's just shown over and over in the story. Here's what grace is. Here's what it means to take care of the least fortunate. Here's like what it means to really, really follow and, I, and that's powerful. It's interesting. It's beautiful. Can I throw out another film for debate and discussion? Yes. Do it. M. Night Shyamalan Signs. Oh, one of my favorites. Now, I don't think the last five minutes of that movie were good, but I think the rest of it is good. And in that film, Mel Gibson plays a priest mm-hmm. who lost his faith when his wife died. And in many ways, spoiler alert, the film is his journey back to faith with aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, not faith with aliens, faith, comma, with aliens. What? You didn't um, like the last five minutes? Not to spoil anything, but you just didn't I like mean, the can't... mechanism of salvation that appeared in the last five minutes? No, I thought it was stupid that aliens figured out a way to traverse the galaxy but hadn't invented spacesuits for a planet where poison <laughs> fell out of the sky. <laughs> but I think that was actually part of the point of the movie. I think that was meant to be representative of... Uh, of the holiness represented in the three faiths <laughs> that were able to fight back. That was a good try, Matt. No, I'm serious. Did, I know. Do you remember at Jay- the end of the movie? What are the three cities that are able to fight back? It was Rome, Jerusalem, and Mecca. Oh, was it? Yeah. That's hilarious. No, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. JR couldn't get past the science of it, which there's another oh, reason science. to not pay attention to science. We're talking about Christian movies, JR. <laughs> I'm telling you what, science really ruins a lot of good science fiction. Am I right? Am I right? Truth. Every like all of them. Science fiction, like praying mantises, are endangered. I know, right? 
It's like science, science either fiction. ruins it by you by you not following science, or it can be like 2001: A Space Odyssey, where science is just boring you to tears. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think that science fiction is just another word for lies? <laughs> um, fiction. <laughs> so my, what I love about Signs, it's one of my favorite scenes, maybe my favorite scene in all of Shyamalan's movies, is where Gibson uh, is on the couch with Joaquin Phoenix, who plays his brother, and his brother's really freaking out. And they're watching a news report, they're sitting there in the silence of the dark, and he says to his brother, like, what is this? He really needs some kind of meaning to be given him. And and Gibson, this this priest who has lost his faith after the tragic death of his wife, he he talks through the two different things, the, the, the different orientations that people see when they look at the lights in the sky, basically. And and I love that. And and when Joaquin Phoenix says, What do you believe? Um and basically his brother's answer is Are you comforted in what you believe? Then what does it matter what I believe? And th- that is definitely a movie that would not be called a Christian movie, but um, yeah, that's. But a, why that's a not? Great I mean, why not? Be, right, because well, because aliens. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not made. It's probably got a cuss well, word in it, right? Ken Ham said we can't lo- ta- believe in aliens. So yeah, does it does it even fit the definition we're using though of one Christian character that's representative of blah blah blah? Not just one. We're not using that definition. Well, I mean, I There's so I would character. look at I would look at Mel Gibson's character and say this is a person who follows Jesus. Granted, in the film, he's in a crisis of faith, but um, it's it's definitely someone that I'm not like. There was never a point when I felt that person was unbelievable or that I was embarrassed that that person was presented as a as a Christian. Um, I didn't. Well. It, <laughs> It was it was preachy, but only in the way all Shyamalan films are preachy. It wasn't preachy in in the way that like quote unquote Christian movies are preachy. So I don't know. I I don't know. Like that's why I was kind of asking if you if you think it would be, you know, what 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 was the good news about Jesus presented in this? I don't know. I don't know. Certainly not in the same way that Philomena or Calvary or mm-hmm. of Gods and Men. Well, I mean, okay. I just thought of one that isn't on our isn't on our show notes list. But what about Gandhi? Um, I mean, in a way, I heard Gandhi that movie was really boring. I never saw it. You know, Gandhi is a it basically he took on the British Christian Empire um, with a message of peace. And and you know, Gandhi famously said, "I like your Christ. I don't like your Christian." Um, but Gandhi was essentially saying, if you held up to the ideal of the one you follow this this whole situation would be avoided i don't know i hadn't thought of that one until just now but when we say christian where we're precluding certain other films that are real powerful that i've seen in some pretty fundamentalist churches like scenes from schindler's list or something like that where they're like look at this great moment where the gospel was so clearly represented um in this act by this character Or Chariots of Fire, that's another one that I've seen in church a hundred times. The story of the Scottish Catholic runner from the 1920s, Eric Liddell. And he runs because he was made to run, basically. Do you guys see he, uh, sequels coming out to that? The Chariots of Fire? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's actually really fascinating. The rest of Eric Liddell's life, he he goes to China as a missionary. He actually dies in a concentration camp. So they're doing a movie about that. Is it like a pretty big movie? Is it like sure. a major studio? I think so. So something like Chariots of Fire from the early 80s would be one that I think people would call a Christian film. Even even folks who would use the pretty narrow definition that yeah. if the Kendrick brothers made it, then it's a Christian film. They still will say this is a Christian film to them. You know, it's interesting. Uh, when Unbroken came out last year, which I, it was Angelina Jolie's mm-hmm. directorial did debut, I did not mm-hmm. see it. But a lot of people who did see it were angry that his Christian faith had not been made a prominent part of the film, even though, from what I understand, he didn't come to faith until after he came back to the United States, which is essentially, like, essentially the film ends, mm-hmm. apparently, with him getting out of the concentration camp. So it ends before that was a part of his life, but of course Christians were anxious to get mad at Hollywood. So. I was hosting some radio in Pittsburgh, and his son was supposed to be on the show, and he got rescheduled. So I had all kind of questions about that that I wanted to hear his perspective. Like, this is your dad, right? This is his story, but it's also a faith journey. Um, yeah, I saw Unbroken, and I thought it was a powerful film, you know, war history, all that. But, uh, yeah, the criticism then becomes they didn't do enough Christian themes in it, or they didn't make that overt enough. It's kind of weird, because the book by Lauren Hildebrand, right? Uh, it literally has like three paragraphs at the end of the book about his conversion. So it's really fascinating that people were that bent out of shape about it, especially because in the movie, during the credits or after, I think during the credits, they talk about him finding forgiveness and going back to forgive all these people, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I mean, it doesn't overtly say he came to Christ and then did this. But I thought, the again, the story was about, the trajectory of the story was about surviving these things and then coming back in a loving and even forgiving way, which I think is a Christian message, uh, even if you don't say Christ in the midst of it. Um, I have another one okay. that I want to run by you. Okay. Because I think we're now moving further and further from my de- definition. Yes. Shepherd Book in Firefly and Serenity. Mm. Written, directed, created by an atheist, but I actually really enjoyed his character as a, you know, a version of Christianity that exists 500 years from now. Okay, so tell me about him because you either um you either have never seen Serenity and Firefly or and it's the greatest thing person. that's ever been created. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's he's very much a tertiary character. He's not always part of the crew. Is he? I don't. He's not even in all of the episodes of the show, right, Matt? I don't think he is. No. Yeah. So I mean, he he's definitely, but he's in many ways like the the chaplain. He, yeah, and he's like an advisor. I mean, the the crew of the of the Serenity look to him for advice, for counsel, uh, and he is explicitly Christian. Uh, so, so I thought, I, I thought he was a fascinating character. Um, now I haven't read all of the comics and stuff they've done, uh, to kind of explore his background. There's a lot of hints that he has a very dark past, uh, and that this faith thing is relatively new, Mm. um, to him. Uh, but again, it's, it's all, it's all, you know, uh, it's all implicit, 
But I, what do we, what do we do with someone like that? Where again, we have for me, we, I, I look at someone who is in a science fiction universe, five hundred years in the future, and yet is a Christian character that I identify with, relate to, and want to celebrate more than anyone that I saw in War Room. Well, let me okay, let me go here then, because what you just said was that you could relate to and identify with, right? A soldier who was in World War II or Vietnam is going to watch Unbroken differently than I. Um, on my Facebook thread, Wes Rogers said Rudy. Um, so if football is a huge part. Was um, Rudy's faith a big part of his? I, I don't know if he was a, a Christian or not, like if that was played out in the film. But my point being, we all experience God differently, right? We Like if Eric Liddell ran to feel God, uh, you know, what what is it about our unique identity that then would make certain characters resonate with us, certain films resonate with us so the definition is pretty subjective in that way in that in some what you're ways passionate I, about. I think it also matters though i mean there are a, we can objectively talk about good and bad good and badly drawn well and badly well and badly drawn well <laughs> and badly realized characters mm-hmm. right i mean there's not a good character in war room like they're all one dimensional. They're all stereotypical. They're all like they're. It's just. It's not a good. It's not a well made piece of art. Would you say that Jurassic World has better characterization than War Room? Whew. Or is it that close? I mean, I can I can honestly say that if a Tyrannosaurus had run into the middle of War Room, it would have dramatically improved the film. That's what we needed. Some Velociraptors. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. Like. uh whether people connect with these characters or not yeah sure okay but but again that that, i guess maybe that's two questions then right it's like we're going to connect with people who have experiences similar to ours but at the same time also it does matter to matt's point Mm. how good the story is and whether the story is telling the right messages on purpose kind of like the way big fish hits you and i as Mm -hmm. opposed to others who are like never saw it or i saw it and it was nothing really special i don't have daddy issues so i didn't care about that movie right yeah i think like the one thing I would say is a movie like Serenity, uh, which does have this, you know, spiritual presence in it. I still would, I wouldn't think of it as a Christian film. Like I've never thought I, that. Agreed. 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 Yeah. I would just be like, Oh, that's cool. Like it's not, it's like Captain America in the first Avengers movie when they're talking about Thor being a God. And he's like, yeah, there's, there's one God and you're not him. Like you're like, yeah, go Protestant Captain America. We love you. <laughs> But it doesn't it doesn't make it a Christian film all of a sudden? You know what I mean? Absol- absolutely, absolutely. So, would you say Calvary is a Christian film? Me personally, yeah, I would. What about what about Signs? I don't know. I think Signs has a. I don't know. I I think that's where we get to the question. Maybe that Clay was kind of talking about is like, did it resonate with me spiritually? Yeah, actually, it did. Uh, could I have had an amazing conversation with a variety of people about it? Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know that. Okay, I would call so it is that film. is that different from the Matrix, where I felt this, all the same things about the Matrix, sure. but there were no characters in the film who were explicitly Christian. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Signs, Mel Gibson is a priest, like he is explicitly a follower of Jesus. Right, Lord that's of the Rings true. to the Matrix example, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's true. what I mean. Like that's why. That's why. Again, and like that's such a specific example. Signs, but I think it's a good case in point. Like right. here, we have a film that the themes that would be discussed wouldn't necessarily be gospel themes explicitly, but yet this character is explicit. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a really obviously there's a lot of gray area in this, 
Um, well, the Chronicles of Narnia is another one, right? I mean, literally Aslan represents... It's crude allegory for the Jesus story. But I saw that with my kids. Yeah. And when we were walking out, I mean, Jakey was, gosh, I don't know, five years old? Yeah. It was a way to talk about Jesus. When right? I read that when I was 10 years old, I just loved Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Then I read it when I was in college, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is about Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus you know, I mean, just... It's true. So, all right, Clay, um, give us give us the rest of your list. Uh, go ahead, Matt. What were you gonna say? No, I was gonna I was gonna say the same thing Jr. just said. Well, what what we have is um, some of the things that were thrown at us by by listeners and my friends. Uh, so I want to go through some of these and and tell me what you think. The first one is the Book of Eli. James Neal says, and it's got six people agreeing with that. Um, I saw it in the theater. Denzel Washington. I don't want to spoil it because that kind of has a huge twist at the end. But Denzel's character in the Book of Eli in this post-apocalyptic Cormac McCarthy type universe is trying to get across the country. Um, is that a film you guys know about, or was I've it's seen Christian? it? Uh, I wouldn't say it's Christian. I would say he's Christian. I would say the big twist. We're, we're just going to spoil it. He's carrying a book across country. Okay. And it's the Bible, right? But like what? Well, I don't know. I guess everyone wanted it because they were going to use religion to control people. Maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, I, yeah, I, because it's a twist, right? Like, there's no point in the movie when you say, oh, he's doing all this we don't this know stuff. that about him until the end. Right. We, yeah. I mean, there's nothing like he okay. could. You know what I mean? Like, there was there was no point when you said, oh, yeah, clearly he's doing these okay. things because he loves Jesus. Like Horton, here's a who. Uh, I that That falls in the category of all the Pixar movies, right? Good spiritual themes, but there's no Christian character. I think that one, uh, that that's from, uh, Sarah Van Deest. I think that one specifically, um, people talked about the, the message of, of life, how life is so precious and valuable in that movie, like really reinforces it. I think, and I, I think a lot of Christians push that idea. Yeah. Again, it's people that are like, I felt a spiritual resonance to this film. I, th- right. I think that's what they're saying, which is great, which is great. But yeah, there's no, there are no Christian characters in this movie. There's never a point when anyone, makes decisions because they have a relationship with Jesus. Blake Atwood said the green mile, which was one of the ones I had brought up. And, um, when we were talking like a week or so ago and you said not by the standard of it's a, it's a expressly Christian character. And I said, well, John Coffey's initials are JC at least a Christ figure, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Talk about that. You said a Messiah figure, a Christ figure is different than what we're talking about. Right. I mean, Lord of the Rings has a Christ figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gandalf is not a Christian, but he's a Christ figure because he dies and comes back from the dead more powerful. Well, the king too, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's like 10 Christ figures in Lord of the Rings, (laughs) but um, the Matrix, right? Neo is a Jesus figure, Mm -hmm. but he's not a Christian. There's a huge difference. And and I love all of those things. I'm not trying Mm -hmm. to argue one's better than the other. I'm saying that like that that's completely different. So, um, some of these comments are there's a particular part in this film where you know, mm-hmm. and and that's a little bit different than uh, than what we're talking about probably. But uh, Ben Hur, I've never seen Ben Hur. Big oh confession. my gosh, really? you've never seen Ben Hur? Hmm. What? Oh, wait, Have you I seen Ben Hur? Of course. Okay. I was panicked for a second. I thought we were back to not watching samurai movies. Um. Ben Hur spectacular, Jr. You would love it. I've heard that. I just have never seen it. I need and, to watch Barabbas. And there also. is a uh, Christian character who shows up. His name is Jesus. Was Jesus a Christian, Matt? I mean, 
Jewish Christian. <laughs> hey, John Wayne was the centurion. I guess you can't get more Christ-like than Christ himself. Yeah, it's true. I love the movie um, Ben-Hur. We should watch it. Okay. Tree of Life. That was from me. I love that movie. I don't know that it fits the definition we're using here, but I think it's one of the most beautiful, spiritual movies about the experience of living life in this spiritual world that I've seen. I was deeply And there are people it. who go to church in it. True. <laughs> it specifically seems to shy away from getting into the specifics. Um, and Matt, it shows evolution, so it's definitely not Christian, obviously. <laughs> it, it does show a few dinosaurs in our history. But everyone okay. agrees there were dinosaurs, right? Is there anyone that doesn't think there were ever dinosaurs now? I mean, I always heard Satan put the bones in the ground to test our faith. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so if you're one of those believers that believes that Satan put the bones in the ground to test your faith, you will not enjoy that film. I'm also going to go out on a limb and say you're probably not listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I got Story one for man, you. more like Satan, man. <laughs> Tell me if this was a Christian film, The Exorcist. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 1,000%. Great call, Clay. Have you noticed That's how many silent. of our favorite Christian films are actually Catholic films? Yeah, those freaking Catholics, they're so good at telling stories and being artistic. They really are. I mean, we didn't even talk about any of Scott Derrickson's films. Exorcism of Emily Rose is another great one. Oh, wow, how did I not say that one? Big I, swing and a miss. I was waiting, man. I left it on the table Woo! all day for I you. Thought, I thought man. Scott was going to come be on the show, and now you just wrecked it by putting him so late <laughs> on the list. I'm sorry, Mr. Derrickson, gigantic fan of your work. We'll get it when Doctor Strange. You know, honestly, this is super weird, and I feel really embarrassed about this, but horror films didn't even enter into my mind when I was thinking about this question. Hmm. Shame on me. Shame you know, I found that uh, I feel like JR really compartmentalizes his church life and his entertainment life. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, seriously, if there's one <laughs> genre of film where there are consistently, like, Christian characters yeah. who employ Jesus to do things in the world like it's horror right <laughs> yes christians against the creeping horror yeah i, I think our i think our non-scary movie fans probably appreciated us i mean dracula get, right you have van helsing genres. there's so many yeah man that's a okay sorry guys i am super embarrassed i think it's I a know. good thing though okay, this is I'm, my worst episode of all time i'm gonna throw out one more and then we're gonna move out move on to, to okay. a conclusion um dead man walking yeah that was so, a, that so was an Academy Award nominated film. Susan Sarandon is yep. a nun, and she's visiting in prison. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, they're right there. That was a that was like nineteen ninety five. Yeah, the whole conceit of the film is based around Catholics visiting those in prison, which is what Jesus said to do. Catholics. Mm. What mm. it appears we like Catholic films. Mm. <laughs> and Catholic is not Christian. We can't say that while the Pope's in, in the United States. I know the Pope's here right now. You're gonna get you're gonna get in trouble. I was being sarcastic. I said as I was raised to believe. <laughs> you know, I you remember can talk the, I about remember that the with first your priest at confession. I was in the, I was in the first church that I attended that wasn't yeah. my childhood church. Yeah. And uh Bill Clinton had been in the rearview mirror a couple years. It was about two thousand probably. Um the the Lewinsky scandal. And and the pastor at this church said do you guys realize that the Catholic Church forgave Clinton and moved on so much faster than the Evangelical Church? It was something to that effect he was talking about. It was the first time I'd ever heard 
like any Christian authority figure suggest that maybe Bill Clinton wasn't the Antichrist, that maybe I shouldn't spend all my time hating Bill Clinton, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and it like, was with a positive Catholic comment? Exactly. And he Ooh. called out, he called us out against the Catholic. I was like, what? That was, <laughs> the, that was the last Sunday Clay went to that church. No, that was, that was where I ended up <laughs> preaching my first Sunday sermon. That was a real turning point for me. So, yeah, interesting conversation. We would love to hear feedback on... Um, people who are listening, first of all, what is a film that has really impacted you, whether it fits by any criteria? What have you found a positive spiritual slash Christian message from? Yeah, feel free to correct my framework. Yeah, and, and we don't even – we just went with that yeah, because that was we like were trying to hip. frame a conversation. Yep, absolutely. So uh, what would you say makes a film Christian? What do you think of the average Christian film? Do you think we're way off on critiquing movies like – um, War Room and Courageous so harshly. Yeah, if you um, loved War Room, we want to hear about it. Tell us what you loved and why it why it resonated with you. Absolutely. So, good conversation, guys, but uh, we have a little bit of business to conclude with. Are you talking about the Papao? Um, Papao! 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 That's the pop culture pick of the week. I'm going to go first because I don't want Clay to steal mine. No, I want to go. I'm choosing Black wanna, Mass, like a, oh. the new Johnny Depp film about the gangster Whitey Bulger. You just totally stole my thunder. That movie was amazing. It was so good. Black and by Mass. amazing, I mean incredibly disturbing. If you wanted to discuss whether or not it counts as a horror film, I'd be right there with you. Uh, yeah. He was terrifying. I love it, man. I'm a huge Johnny Depp fan. Even through these rough patches, I so, just want to keep. Yeah, I feel like Johnny. I feel like this was a big middle finger to the world because for the last what six years, he just made terrible cinematic choices. He's like, oh, you want to remember how great I am? And all these people said, oh, maybe Depp's lost it. He just doesn't have it anymore. And this movie just blew us away. Tells the story of Whitey Bulger, the uh, small-time Boston criminal who became uh, uh, basically a kingpin. Largely because the FBI protected him, which is a really fascinating spin on, A, it's not the New York world, which I think we've seen a lot more of in the mafia world, and B, the complicit nature of the FBI in this one, and the performances, man, All the way around. Joel Edgerton, uh, everyone that's in it, just fantastic. Um, Also, I didn't know, Clay told me this, that The Departed was based loosely on... Uh, Whitey Bulger. Well, I heard that after I seen Black Mass. That, okay, uh, okay. That that's that's what they're saying. So, Matt, do you have a do you have one ready for us? Yeah this this one's a little weird. It's a little different than what I usually suggest. You're always weird. is it a comic? I'm, no, I'm not even sure it counts as a pop culture pick, but I think it kind of does. It's a technology thing. I just got a new phone, and I'm really happy with it. It's a Motorola X Pure. And one of the things I really love about this phone is that it's not sold through your phone carrier. It's sold directly from Motorola, which means you can use it on any network. You just oh, have nice. to Open get the phone, SIM card. Yeah. And it's cheaper than most of the, uh, of the uh, phones in kind of its class as far as a smartphone. And it works great. Like my last one, I swear I was plugging it in every two hours, and this thing will go about a day and a half, even with pretty heavy use. Um, so yeah, I'm super happy with it, and that's my that's fantastic. 
pop culture pick of the think, week, sort of. I think that totally counts. Well, yeah, I mean, it, you consume culture through it. It's part of culture. It's uh, new. And I'm, <laughs> ironically, my pick for this week is the Don't Split Up podcast. Uh, so JR has this podcast with his wife, Amanda, and with their two friends from Ohio, uh, Mo and Stacy. And the four of them talk about, in very scooby Doobian ways... Um, scary movies, and they actually have a Scooby Doo because one of the hosts is actually like Scooby. He's constantly terrified of the scary movies. Mo, it's it's real fun. Um, so Jr., even though you didn't represent, you feel very well on this show. I think it's because you're getting all of your your horror movie podcasting out of the way in another outlet. You know, I I already loved horror movies, but now that I'm watching them even more often for this podcast, I just I it's my favorite genre. It is, and it really is fun to see the people who go super dark and intense and and comedic, and you've already been contacted by some indie filmmakers, and it's really neat. So I've been enjoying actually listening to JR's other podcast, which I feel like this one's better because I'm on this one. Well, yeah, I mean, um, hard to beat Storyman. It is. It's hard, it's hard to beat the one that I'm basically the anchor and rock for. Oh, which one? That's why we call you the Rock. (laughs) Storyman. Storyman. Oh, on Storyman. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. (laughs) Matt, were were you so lost by the concept that I'm the anchor in Rock that you forgot where you were? (laughs) No, I just thought maybe you were on another podcast. Uh, No, so don't split up as mine. Okay, we got a boogie. It's been a great conversation here, talking about uh, Christian films. Any final thoughts, guys? Are we ready to bounce? I can't wait to hear what. I can't wait to hear all of the people who tell me that I'm a horrible human being because I didn't like War Room. Mm. I'm excited. Yeah. Or or you could just go revisit your Facebook wall. Yeah, I guess Anytime. I could do that too. Yep, yep, yep. Well, this has been Storyman 103. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next week with another great episode, another special guest, and probably going to talk some more about Z Nation. So in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. And uh, you know what? Any podcast that you listen to and love, if you take about three minutes to rate and review them on iTunes or whatever podcast you li- uh, app you listen to, that helps us out so much. And uh, so seriously, not just us. Hopefully you enjoy Storyman, but any of them that you listen to, if you just take a couple minutes to rate and review us, it really does make our week. Thank you so much for listening, and this we'll talk to you soon. This is a song about the three-story men. Life is a story. there's a man rather sometimes there's some men and I'm talking about the story men here and I know what you're thinking those are some tall fellers I don't know if that's three stories separately or three combined but we're missing the point sometimes there's some men and you want to know what these hombres are about well I won't say they're heroes they're just the men who are right for their time and place these men, uh, shoot, lost my place. Well, I've probably introduced them enough, so just relax for a spell and bend your ear their way. <laughs>